You're listening to Theo Live, a live YouTube stream podcast hosted by me, Dean Lentini. Every week, I try to give you biblical theology for normal people. If you're interested in hopping into the conversation, you can catch us live every Monday on my YouTube channel, link in the show notes. Now let's get into it. Hey, welcome to Theo Live, episode 18, coming at ya. It's a fresh one today. I don't know. Today is going to be a little interesting. I I have things I want to talk about, but it's a lot of personal stuff, like tiffs between different individuals. It'll be interesting as we get into it. I'm not, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard sometimes when you want to do a weekly show and you want people to interact and, uh, you know, be able to talk about these things, but sometimes it kind of feels gossipy. I was just talking with a YouTuber just the other day and this individual was saying like, Hey, you know, sometimes when I cover these kinds of topics, it kind of feels like all I'm doing is gossiping. And sometimes I've felt that way. And I've said this before on this channel that I'm not about gossip. I'm not about, you know, I got, I got my tea here. But I'm not all about like spilling the tea and getting into things about like different individuals, different pastors. That's not what I'm about. But at the same time, you know, some of these guys have very public platforms. They have a lot of followers. And I think it's important to interact with their stuff. But what is like that line between gossip and, you know, critique slash encouragement edification, I think it would be the... The better term. Some people call it discernment. Uh, I I would argue all day with someone who said that my channel was a discernment channel. But at the same time, I do think that we all need to have discernment about you know public figures and what they're saying. So today we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that line and how far is too far. One where is that line that goes from, you know, honest criticism to full on gossip to just being mean and being cynical? That's, that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you're here in the live stream, let me know, uh, hop into the chat and say, hi, I'd love to interact with you. I know, I know like timing is something I'm working on it. I don't know. I think maybe evenings would be better. Like I like to do it in the afternoons because then I can have like the evenings with my wife and not have to be like, hey, this one night every week, I'm just not going to be around. But I'm beginning to think that maybe for you guys watching and if you're watching right now or if you're watching it on the replay, um, let me know. Hey, uh, do all these things that I'm always talking about, liking the video. Uh, you guys have done a really good job lately of liking the videos. Uh, but if you're new to the channel, think about subscribing to the channel. I don't always do episodes like this today. Um, I try to have different stories, different theological stories that we kind of talk about and we're kind of doing that today, but it's going to be more of a theme. Um, but I would encourage you to like the video right now. Uh, but also leave a comment down below. Are Monday nights better for you? I'm still trying to figure this whole YouTube thing out. I want to like keep this show obviously going. I love doing it. It's super fun. It's super fun when you guys are here to interact. Uh, but 
you know, what time is best. That's, that's the thing that I keep on, you know, going back and forth about. Like I'm beginning to think that maybe Monday evenings are the best thing to do. And also, Hey, I'm going to have a guest on the show next week. I'm pretty excited about that. I should have had, uh, his stuff. Maybe I can, I can go over here on the iPad and show you guys. Um, but, uh, next, next week, we're going to be having good old John Adams on the show. Lord willing, you know, we can get all the technology working properly <laughs> and, uh, you know, everyone's timing works out and all of that. But that's the plan right now is to have John Adams on the show. We're going to be talking about the future of pastoral education and training because it's interesting what's been going on lately. You know, with the, the pandemic, everyone's, you know, gotten into the whole live streaming thing. And that's great. And, you know, partially, that's why I started, right? <laughs> I started doing this live stream was, you know, got time on my hands and I want to do it. And the technology is readily available for pretty much anybody these days. And, and so I get it. Uh, but with churches going live streaming and, you know, people having to do education uh, more secluded, there was a lot of online education for seminaries that didn't really offer that before. So what does that look like in the future? Uh, and specifically, how does the local church interact with uh, some of these institutions? And we're going to be talking about all that next week. I'm really excited about that. That'll be a lot of fun. So Lord willing, next week we'll be talking about the future of pastoral training in the local church with John Adams. But this week, we're talking about this idea of really just fighting you know i put it in the thumbnail it's fight night <laughs> you know i that's how i feel i feel like it's fight night in evangelicalism and just in christianity at large and there's just a lot of squabbling a lot of just you know just name calling all kinds of stuff and we're gonna get to some of the specifics of this and honestly you know today i'm going to show some examples of that and i'm going to be doing this not because you know i just want to shame somebody that's that's like what I was saying at the beginning here. That's not what I'm about ever. I'm never about trying to shame someone. But what I am about is being able to talk about, you know, something that someone publicly said, you know, not privately, not, you know, in just like them in their local church talking to a congregant and it leaks out, you know. Uh, but what they publicly said and be able to ask whether that's biblical or not. What can we learn from this? And do we see it in other places? That's that's a big part of this as well. Uh, so we're going to be diving into all of that. So uh, I'll start by saying, like, I am a critical person. I know that about myself. And so if you are like me, this is a danger that we need to be mindful of. You know, this idea of criticism and just being critical for the sake of being critical that's not good. That's not helpful. Uh, but what I would say is that criticism can be beneficial when you're doing it in the proper way. Uh, when you're doing it not to rip someone apart, not to look smart, not to feel better about yourself or to have other people look at you and say, wow, that person's so much smarter than that other guy. Uh, this, is, this was my main point in uh, a video I did recently on John MacArthur and his, uh, you know, stuff about uh, religious freedom. Like, I disagree with him. 
but at the end of the day, he's still John MacArthur. Like all the other stuff that he's taught throughout his ministry has been very beneficial for the church at large and specifically me. So like I can disagree with him and still respect who he is, respect his position, respect his many years of faithfulness in the pulpit. I can do all of that and still have something that I can look at and say, yeah, I have a big disagreement right here. But that doesn't make him a terrible person. And I feel like we've lost that a little bit. So today is my attempt to try to solve that problem, to try and give a pathway for us, for you watching, for myself too, of what we need to be doing when we see something that we go, is that right? Is that biblical? And maybe I need to call it out or should I call it out? That's, that's the kind of questioning that we're going to uh, be following today. So if you are following along, I would like to know some of your thoughts. You know, these are my thoughts, obviously. It's my live stream. It's my channel. So I'm going to give my thoughts. But I would like to know what you think about this and where do you draw these lines and where do you think it's going too far in all this stuff? Uh, let's, let's see here. Carl hopping in. I'm a shut-in homebound person, so watching live during the day is pretty sweet. Well, I appreciate you hopping in here, Carl, and letting me know. Uh, yeah, uh, if, you, if you are here in the live or you're going to be watching the replay, let me know what you think about timing for this show. I want to keep it on Mondays because I like it. I like the rhythm of it for setting up the week, and during the weekend I could have a little bit more time to be able to figure out, you know, the topics and what we're going to be discussing. I know it might not seem like it sometimes, but I actually look up this stuff and I actually try to spend a lot of time figuring out exactly what would be beneficial to talk about and, you know, be something that you guys would actually care about and want to watch. So, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate that, Carl. Thanks for letting me know. Uh, but let's, let's start here with an article that uh, the Gospel Coalition... And if, if that sparks, you know, flames inside your flames, just flames inside your head, uh, to quote clue, uh, you know, that's all right. You don't have to like the gospel coalition. Uh, we'll talk about that a lot <laughs> in a little bit, uh, but they did have this article that I thought was really interesting. And in some ways, you know, it made me really think about, you know, what I'm doing here on YouTube, because like I said, you know, I've seen some of these guys here on YouTube and, you know, I'm not judging anybody, but there's a lot of people who come up on this platform and they just play the most outrageous stuff and like different sermons and different, you know, uh, articles. And they just like, you know, just blast somebody. They just get on their channel and they just blast how terrible this person is and all kinds of accusations. Um, I try not to do that. And if I come across as doing that, let me let me know. I would really want to know. Um, but I try to be gracious on this channel and try to evaluate things even-handedly. Uh, but TGC kind of thinks that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. At least that's what I get from this article. And you know, a lot of people shouldn't be doing what they're doing, even not just on this platform, but even on like Twitter 
and I think I think Twitter is really the main culprit of this, um, but on Facebook and other avenues of social, uh, social media. Um, but let's let's look at this article here. Uh, Fifteen years ago, an outlandish sermon clip made the rounds on YouTube. It was a shock jock independent pastor ranting in front of a tiny congregation about modern Bible translations. It was comical, unnerving, and cringe-inducing, and I shared it on my blog. So this is an article from Trevin Wax, who's been blogging for I don't even know how long. Years and years and years, and now he's there at the Gospel Coalition, a frequent voice there. Um, But who he's talking about is Steven Anderson. Like, I think uh, if you read between the lines there, it's pretty, pretty clear uh, who that individual was. And if you don't know who that is, don't look him up. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) Uh, But he keeps on going. I was new to blogging. And around that time, I asked an older, wiser pastor to speak into my writing. He asked a pointed question. Here it is. Who is edified by that sermon video? And then he encouraged me to resist the urge to share something just because it was outrageous, entertaining, or a cautionary tale of how not to preach. Okay, so this is really like the thesis of this article. And he's going to really like dive deep into this idea. Is it edifying? That that sermon clip that he shared, most likely Stephen Anderson, um, that, that clip, was it helpful for his readers to see that clip? Now, I don't know the specific clip that he's talking about. I'm pretty sure, like, I've seen stuff like it at least. And, you know, people share those kinds of videos all the time. There's there's all kinds of different um, YouTube channels uh, and Twitter profiles that are all about sharing, like, either crazy, like, far, far, far right fundamentalists and, like, some of the things that they say. And, um, you know, and then far left, the extremes on both sides, you know, they share all kinds of videos from those individuals. Um, and so I think that's the main culprits that he's thinking of, or like those kinds of channels and individuals and social media platforms, you know, like that, all that stuff. But I think that there is good application for what I'm doing on YouTube and other people. And there are like some good thoughts here. Um, but I do have some issues that I want to talk about here. Uh, so he keeps on going and really diving deep on that. Is this an edifying video to share? Uh, I thought about the conversation recently as it predated Twitter and Instagram and the prevalence of sermon clips that now circulate far and wide. And you can see there, um, that, uh, I, I asked the question, did it though? (laughs) Because, uh, like, sure. Twitter is, you know, a newish platform, although every day I'm reminded of how old I am because Twitter is becoming such like an old person technology. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was the young one. I thought it was young. <laughs> um, but you know, it's now it's, I don't even know. I don't even know what platforms are cool anymore. I'm not a youth pastor anymore. Haven't been in a long time. So like when, when I was getting out of youth ministry, Snapchat was cool. And like, I wasn't going to get on it because the whole like disappearing messages thing like that doesn't, that doesn't seem like a very good thing for a youth pastor to be involved in. (laughs) But now it's like, you know, everyone talks that way and I'm still not on it. Uh, But I know obviously like TikTok is super popular ish. I don't know. 
there's probably like 10 new platforms, but before Twitter, you know, there, we had these things called articles and blogs. And, uh, even before the internet, we had these things called magazines and essays and, <laughs> and like theological journals. And like, you could go back further and further and further and this has always been a thing. And I, I think that it's a little uh, short-sighted, I, I would say, is to like look at you know just the internet and social media and say, this is a new thing. It's not. Uh, it's actually been happen for, happening for a long time. I mean, you look at uh, even some letters. Martin Luther going back and forth with some people, you know, like, and calling out different things. Like I'm not saying Martin Luther is like the best example to follow. And I think even in this article, he's going to be talking about that. Uh, but you know, going through and there's going through history, there's tons of examples of back and forth from theologians, from pastors and calling out something. I mean, we had councils. Isn't that really what a council is (laughs) like, uh, specifically, you know, I'm thinking of like the Nicene Council, like, you know, have someone who's, you know, looking at and saying like, hey, this person might have, you know, some heretical views and getting together and crit- critiquing those ideas, asking whether it's biblical or not. And then, you know, making a judgment on that. That's like that's built into the Christian DNA. But then the question is, like, how do we do it? So I don't I don't appreciate that. He's just like. Well, social media has made this thing. It's like, no, that's been around for a while. Uh, Grandma Joe hopping in here. Hello from Grants Pass, Oregon. And Grandma Joe, great topic. Hopefully I can contribute. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, if you guys are here in the live chat, I see, like I said, I still got to work on my timing. I know that, you know, some people who would usually be here are not. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Grandma Joe again, I did a piece called can gossip send you to hell based on this very topic. Love to come up sometime if you vet content and I have earned your respect. Sure. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that meant that last part, Grandma Joe, but I appreciate you and, uh, I'll have to check out that can gossip send you to hell. I'm assuming that's one of your videos. She has a channel. Um, let's, let's keep on going here with this article. Uh, so in the past decade or so, more and more churches have begun posting videos and audio previous sermons for the past 500 years. Sermons were spread mainly in the form of pamphlets and books. So he knows that he's not, you know, he knows his history. Um, so he knows that's been going on for decades. Prominent pastors had tape ministries. Oh, tape ministries. I remember those. We had so many tapes in our house. Did we listen to them? Probably not, but now most uh, post uh, most pastors are expecting to have both video and audio of their preaching available, and the pandemic sped up the move toward live streaming. That is true, completely accurate. You know, like we all have these things, and a lot of churches. I mean, even still, at least where I'm at, there's a lot of churches that don't even have websites. So, like, there's. Some of us are still living in the Jurassic period, (laughs) but a lot of people have taken this time because, you know, like we're all, we were all at home and, you know, had to be kind of locked down depending on where you live. Um, But many churches were locked down. And so they went to 
Zoom and, you know, putting out video content. And they made that, even if they weren't locked down, they made that a big priority because they knew some people were at home. Uh, some people were sick uh, with the, the virus. Some other people were just not there. Maybe some people were scared to come out, all of that kind of stuff. And that led them to putting a lot of their content online. So that's true. And because of that, because of that like big push by pretty much everybody to get their content online, there's more. There's more out there. And if there's more out there, there's going to be more things that are wrong. And that's going to bring up more uh, criticism, right? So it's it's this cycle. Um, let's see. Grandma Joe. P.S. Uh, days mean I am watching at work. Oh, Monday nights watching while prepping dinner often. Ah, I get you. Okay. Um, so, and then he, he talks about Martin Lloyd Jones and how he thought you needed to be in the room. He also thought, Hey, don't take notes while you're, uh, while you're listening to preaching, you need to be in the moment so the spirit can work and you're not just dialed in on getting all the facts right about what someone said. So he really believed like being present in the room, like being present, paying attention to what the preacher was saying in the room was a big deal of listening to sermons. Not everyone has that view. Uh, but then he goes on and talks about like some clips of, you know, Alistair Begg. He, we, we remember that the man on the middle cross said I could come. I talked about that video a while back. Uh, Matt Chandler's Jesus wants the rose, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so like that's gone around and that's been good is what he's saying, but not all of it has been Good. Uh, there's a flip side to the sharing of gospel moments. Many sermon clips go viral because of how bad they are. Uh, we gawk at examples of sloppy or heretical preaching. Uh, social media accounts now feature the most outlandish moments from preachers or teachers who belong to another camp or tribe. So he starts getting into like the whole thing that I was talking about of, you know, like there's like woke preacher clips and, uh, you know, recovering fundamentalist stuff and like all those different kinds of uh extremes like all the bad teaching that's mixed in with some of like the extremes are being pushed out and so there's some good that comes with it of having a lot of these clips you know easily accessible you could go look up that matt chandler sermon of jesus once arose right now uh but don't you know stick in here with the live stream um but you can, you can access that. That's really cool. That's an amazing thing. You can hear sermons that you would have never heard before. You know, you could, you could listen to John MacArthur on the radio forever, right? Um, Warren Wearsby, all those kinds of guys. Uh, but now we can go and look up their podcasts and listen to everything that they've ever said. You know, it's a pretty amazing technology, but sometimes that leads to all the bad stuff coming out as well. So I think it's interesting though, because he, he starts uh, then shifting from talking about like there's good and there's bad to sometimes we try to make those good pastors look bad. Uh, and he says, even well-known and respected pastors with many years of ministry experience, which to my question is so like, this is one thing that I will never understand. Of course, you respect your elders and someone who's been in ministry for five years versus someone who's been in ministry for 40 years. Uh, there's probably a level of difference between uh, the wisdom that they have in regards to how to do ministry and specifically the word of God. So there is that. But sometimes, sometimes being older or being more experienced uh, 
just means you've been wrong longer. People don't want to hear that. <laughs> but sometimes that's true. And in my experience, I've run into quite a few of these kinds of guys. Guys that at first you're like, oh, this person has so much wisdom. Just want to sit underneath them and hear what they have to say. And you spend a lot of time with them and you find out, oh, maybe maybe there's some other stuff going on here. So the years of ministry experience doesn't necessarily mean that they are, you know, immune to having like some really messed up views. And maybe, maybe they've been quiet about it. Like they only tell people like in the room, uh, they don't, they don't go from the pulpit and say this stuff, but you know, just because someone's been in ministry for a very long time, doesn't necessarily mean that they're exempt from this, but men like John MacArthur and David Platt are subject to the forces of this online uh, dissemination. MacArthur becomes an example, uh, being anti-religious liberty. So this is where I'm like, oh, well, I talked about that, you know, uh, and David Platt, an example of wokeism. I don't think that's true, but you know, I know that there are a lot of people on this platform who do say that, uh, all because things they've said, perhaps sloppily have been weaponized against them to cast doubt on the rest of their Bible teaching. And this, this is the crux of this article. All right. This is where I think me and, uh, Oh, I'm forgetting his name, Trevin Wax, uh, would have uh, a big disagreement because he's looking at it and saying, well, there are others, you know, people like me online, uh, people maybe like you who look at these uh, clips and watch them and digest them and, you know, then go like, what's, well, what, what did he mean by this? And like, oh, I don't agree with this. And, Wax is putting the blame on us for that. But I mean, look at this all because things they've said, like I didn't say it. <laughs> I didn't put those words in their mouth with John MacArthur, specifically that clip. Again, I love Johnny Mac. I've grown up on Johnny Mac. I have more Johnny Mac books. I've said this before in a video. I probably have more Johnny Mac books than you. Uh, like I love him. But at the same time, I disagree with him. I actually have disagreed with a lot of different things over the last few years. But that doesn't mean I don't respect the guy. But, you know, those things I disagree with him about, I'm not the one who took those words and put them in his mouth and made him say it. You know, he said it. He believes those things. <laughs> uh, I, and, you know, we need to be careful about making sure that we get the context right and we understand where people are coming from before we jump to conclusions but if you have the context right, well, that person said it. It's things they've said, <laughs> not things that you've said, things they've said. And sure, sometimes, you know, people say stuff. I might say stuff on this channel every once in a while that I would look back and be like, oh, I sh that, that, was, that was a dumb way to say that, you know, but I'm live streaming. And so sometimes <laughs> I'm going to make mistakes. So I get that. But. You know, especially when we're talking about people like David Platt and John MacArthur and some of these like more respected, I mean, public speakers, you know, they, they go up, they've been doing this for a long time. They'd go and do these conferences and everything. Things that they say are usually pretty planned out. It's not usually just off the cuff. All right. So it's not just like, oh, I'm on a live stream and I accidentally said something that I probably shouldn't have said. It's. You know, they, they had that plan to go in front of the congregation and say that. 
And so he's saying, you know, don't weaponize their mistakes and use it against them to basically negate the rest of their ministry. And I would, I would agree with that last part to cast doubt on the rest of their Bible teaching, uh, unless it's like something that keeps on happening, you know, and regardless of where you stand on David Platt and, you know, woke theology and all of that, maybe you're looking at that and saying, Hey, he keeps on doing it, but I'm just going to stick to the John MacArthur part. You know, I don't look at that one mistake of saying that he doesn't support religious liberty and say, oh, that casts doubts on the rest of his entire ministry. I think that if you were to do that, then I think you would have some some critical spirit about you that's going way too far. Um, but if he were to get up and continue to talk about this specific thing and this next thing and this next thing and all these things are wrong, well, then you do that. Things like Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick just keeps on doing it. Like keeps on saying awful things. If you like Stephen Furtick, you know, you're wrong. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I think you're wrong. Uh, I think that he's wrong about a lot of things. I don't think he should be in ministry. I don't think he should be behind pulpits. Um, but he keeps on making these mistakes and coming out and saying things that are borderline heresy, if not heresy. And you're just like, if that's a repeated pattern in someone's ministry, then that casts doubts on the rest of their Bible teaching. But if someone just gets up and they say something stupid and you disagree with them, well, then it's done. You know, that doesn't have to reflect unless it's something like really major. Uh, that doesn't have to, you know, then get, you know, traced back into all their teaching. And you're just like looking for, you know, issues everywhere now. But I think it's okay for us to look at something at face value of what someone says publicly and say whether you disagree or agree with that. Um, but Wax, his main point is that these things are just being used against us. And then he keeps, he goes over and starts talking about 20 something year olds and like guys who are just getting into the pulpit and you know how scary that must be right now with everything being live streamed and everyone's words being used as weapons against them. Um, you know how scary that must be. And I've thought about that. Uh, like this is something I've, I've actually talked about with my wife. Uh, you know, in this day and age where everyone's live streaming, that is kind of a scary thing, right? Like if it was my first sermon and I knew that it was going to be live streamed to more people, which is also scary but also going to be saved online and then shared with people for the rest of, you know, digital, you know, existence. That's, that's kind of some scary stuff for your first sermon. So I understand that. But my main point with this is to say, well, then don't say dumb stuff. <laughs> if, if you are scared, you know, of saying the wrong things, then don't say the wrong things. It's, it's not that complicated when it comes to that. Now, that means that you need to be a lot more careful about your preparation, about what you're doing, uh, making sure that you have a good, firm grasp on the text. But learn first, and then you can go into the pulpit and start uh, speaking and teaching. You know, I, I once sat through a, a sermon that I didn't even really know what the sermon was about. It was a young guy maybe like his first 10 times in a pulpit. Uh, this was just a couple of years ago. And uh, he starts talking about John one 
and how uh, the word the word is God. You know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he just keeps on saying that the word is God. And I'm just like, I don't think, I don't think this guy knows who the word is. So after, you know, I went up to him. I was like, thank you for your teaching. I appreciate it. Um, and just asked him like, hey, you brought up John 1 and it was a little unclear to me. Who, who's the word? Who do you think the word is in John 1? And they're like, well, he, uh, he's, he basically said, well, it's, it's just God. And I was like, but like specifically, <laughs> who do you think the word is? And he's like, uh, well, it's the, the Trinity. I was like, no, bro, no, bro. <laughs> like it's, it's Jesus. It says it in verse 14. I showed him. I don't, I don't know if that was appreciated or not. I did it in a loving spirit. Uh, but like, if you're going to go into the text uh, or go into the pulpit with a text, know the text, right? Like don't go out and, you know, just kind of wing it. And I feel like that's kind of one of the problems that we're seeing right now. Um, just a lack of preparation. Uh, Grandma Joe, they did a piece on calling out false teaching. Questions include, are they teaching opinion, mistakes, practice, primary, secondary abuse, right time, or are you the one to do it? Yeah, uh, those are good questions to have. Sure. Uh, came up means interview. Oh, came up means interview together, webcam, collaborate. Again, if you find content and ministry in line with doctrine of truth. Oh, okay, I, I get you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so just a lot of stuff like there's, there's a lot in this article and, uh, basically what it comes to is this, this, this main thought here and I'll, I'll end talking about this specific part here in just a sec. So he says, is it possible that this phenomenon trains people to be ever on the lookout? <laughs> the kids are home today. If you can't tell, I don't know if that's coming through on my microphone, <laughs> but the kids are home today and they're upstairs playing. So you might hear them. They're happy screams. I promise. I know the difference. <laughs> I know the difference between the different kind of screams that they have. Uh, so is it possible <laughs> that this phenomenon trains people to be ever on the lookout for sloppy moments in preaching to be good critics more than good listeners? To approach the pulpit with the eye for the cynic rather than the mind of the brain. This is the, the crux of it all. Like, this is what he's fleshing out, what he said earlier. Um, uh, things they've said being weaponized against them. Um, so basically what he's saying is, if you're going into that looking for errors, you're going to find them. And I think that is completely true. If you go into a clip, if you go into a sermon... And you just have your, you know, your arms folded and you're just like sitting there being like, yeah, I, d I dare you to teach me something good. You know, like it's, it's, you're going to find issues. You're going to find problems. If you go into a video ready to just like hate on the person, you're going to find something to hate on. I get that. Uh, but he, he basically is saying that there's a difference here between the eye of the cynic and the mind of a brilliant my point is to say that that's a false dichotomy. Like these are not opposing things. Like having the eye of a cynic, like I'm, I'm like, I think that if you're calling yourself a cynic, you're already knowing that you went too far. Uh, but an eye for criticism, if we were to put that word in 
having an eye for criticism and the mind of a brand are not opposing things. Like you, you can have, like, how are you supposed to be having the mind of a brand without being critical? You can't like, you can't be critical or you can't not be critical and think like, is this biblical? Cause asking, is this biblical is a critical thought. So I think that he's creating a false dichotomy. And what he really needs to be saying is like, have you crossed the line? Have you crossed the line of, you know, looking for this, you know, is, is it biblical and asking that question when you're going into some kind of teaching, whether it's a video like this, or whether it's, you know, sitting at your church, listening to your pastor or someone uh, who's gotten up and he's preaching. Um, you know, if you're sitting there and you're just like looking for things wrong, you're going to find them. Uh, but are you, are you asking whether it's biblical or are you going way further and trying to find errors? Uh, so I don't, I don't think the way that he puts it is saying it that way, but that's what I would say is where we need to be focused is to ask ourselves, is this biblical? That's the main idea. And then if you go too far, well, then you run into problems of maybe being too cynical. Uh, and he puts, you know, for that reason, he doesn't want to want to do it. He doesn't want to share these, these clips. And to that, I would just say, then don't, then don't share the clips. <laughs> but, uh, to say like, all of this is bad because I don't want to do it is, uh, I think where you might go a little too far. So that, that's where I kind of want to start with this is talking about that. Um, but there, there are some other things that we need to discuss here because like basically his point in saying this is to say that you can't, you can't do these things publicly. Don't share these things. And I've heard this so often, you know, you need to have conversations. You need to Matthew 18, this thing and go and have a conversation with someone before you share something online or before you make a video or before you, you know, have any conversation about critique. Um, I don't think that's accurate. First off, Matthew 18 is about the local church. So if it's an issue in your local church, then, you know, you need to have a conversation about that. Um, you know, I, that, that, you know, that example that I gave of that young guy who was preaching and didn't know in John one, that the word was Jesus. You know, I had a conversation with him. I didn't share the clip, <laughs> like take a video of the clip and went and shared it. And, you know, like just blasted him for it. I mean, like, Oh, you know, he's a terrible, terrible preacher or anything like that. That's not how you do it. Uh, because he was in the local church and you know, if, if you were at a conference and had something else, you might want to have a conversation if you have the access to do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to follow that. Is it a good, you know, framework to how to on how to deal with conflict? Yeah. But it's not a biblical mandate when we're talking about, you know, some pastors online and this clip has gotten 10,000 views and he's you know, saying something very clearly wrong, something that you disagree with to say that you disagree with it is not wrong, uh, because you didn't, you know, uh, send him a DM before he did it. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I would be interested in your guys' thoughts. Uh, grandma Joe, love your perspectives and how you so honestly break it down with love, respect while remaining firm when needed. Excellent. I appreciate that. That's what I'm striving for. Uh, like I said, I don't, I don't always get it right. 
I've had to take down some videos that I've done uh, of where I've gone a little bit too far in, in, in criticism. So like, it's, it's not like I'm saying like I can never fall into this trap, but to like from Trevor Wax's perspective to say pretty much anyone who would do anything similar to what I do on my channel um, is, you know, it's unnecessary. It's not helpful. It's not edifying. Um, I think that you're, I think that you're out of bounds on that, that you're not right now. So the question then is, can we ever do this publicly? And like I just said, I believe so because I'm on a live stream kind of doing it. Right. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, can criticism ever be public? I would say, look at Paul, look at Paul. And this is what I said in my John MacArthur video. Um, if you look at Paul, he does it, he does it with Peter. Now I will say that he does follow somewhat of a pattern of, um, Matthew 18 of, he did have a conversation with him, uh, before then, but when he continues, he calls him out in front of everybody in Galatians two, verse 14, it says that he called him out in front of everyone on, on him, you know, trying to act like he was still following, um, the old Testament, uh, law, uh, not acting like a Gentile, like all that, like he was having some issues. And so, Paul calls him out on it and he did that in a public way. So I do think that, yes, like not, you know, I'm not here to say like, Oh, we're all prophets and the prophets did it so we can do it. And they use this like harsh terminology. So we could use harsh terminology. That's not what I'm saying, but there is precedent for a brother in Christ calling out another brother or sister in Christ and saying, Hey, I disagree with you. Like we do have that precedent clearly in scripture. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? That's a good question. As we do that, I want to say, how do we not do it? Uh, here's, here's, uh, here's something. Let's, let's go over here. So this is, uh, this is maybe going to ruffle a few feathers, but you know, it's kind of what I do here. Um, but, uh, Owen Strand, I think that's how you say his name. I've heard it said so many different ways. Uh, he used to teach at Midwestern and now he's starting a new seminary or maybe joining a new seminary. I had never heard of it. Um, somewhere in Arkansas, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's mostly known for his complementarian views. Um, I think that he was part of that, uh, council biblical manhood and womanhood thing. I think he was in charge of that for a while. I might be wrong. Um, but, he he saw a clip from Tom Buck, who's another SBC guy, uh, and he said, So sad to see this. Tabidi has affirmed all sorts of woke ideology and now affirms women pastors. Please, God, bring this man to repentance. How we all need the Lord. All right, so you're, you might look at that and say, Okay, well, what did Tabidi actually say? Pulpit well, espousing listen. explicitly or in a veiled way white supremacy. You don't need to sit under that. Right? You're not obligated to sit under that. Sometimes leaving is healthy. Okay. But some of you are in churches with good pastors who are swimming in the eddies and the undertoes and the, and the flood of this present moment, doing the best they can, fumbling sometimes, sometimes getting stuff a little bit right. They didn't go as far as you wanted them to, and so you mad. You probably need to stay and support that pastor. Because that pastor right now, if he needs anything or she needs anything, is there courage is. and encouragement. 
Okay, so in that clip, you heard Tabidi. He's at a conference, uh, the Jude 3 Project, and uh, he's at a conference and he's speaking and he hear, like he's talking about how you know, some, sometimes you need to leave a church depending on what's going on there. Uh, but sometimes you need to stay there. And that's a good point. Sometimes, you know, people need to stay in their church and be part of the, the change that needs to happen. And he says he or she. Now, that's just like one, one word. And Owen Strand says, oh, he's already, you know, supported all these woke thoughts and now affirms women pastors. Well, there's a big difference between what Tabidi said there and affirming women pastors. Um, and if you look at his his past, like he, I don't think that you can look at uh, Tabidi's past and say that he would be, you know, affirming women in ministry any other time in his uh, ministry, anything else that he said. So we're taking like this just one phrase that he said. Now later. Um, later he went on and, uh, basically lambasted, uh, Owen about this. It says, Owen's, Hey, Owen Strand, first, keep my name out of your mouth. Second, and all these other things. So this, this is where I would say, like, we need to be really careful about how we deal with one another when we have issues, when we have disagreements. Now, I don't think that Owen Strand was right to just say, that, oh, he's affirming this. And later he would say, no, I don't affirm women elders. Uh, but he was speaking to an audience that did. And so he, he says, or she. Now, there's debate on like, oh, well, should he have done that? Maybe not. But he did. And then later he, he said, well, guys, I'm, I, I still am firmly in the camp of only male eldership, a qualified male eldership, uh, then, you know, that's, that's something to be said, you know, that, that is his position and, and that's his actual position, not just like a phrase being taken out of context. Um, but then for Tabidi to go back and say something as like, I mean, that's pretty big. Keep my name out of your mouth and starts talking about like, get the log out of your own eye and all that kind of stuff. Like, Oh man, like this, this is the kind of stuff that Christians shouldn't do. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be super critical of these two individuals. Uh, but when I see stuff like this, this is where I would say, uh, you know, having a clip and using it as fuel in an argument that's already ongoing. That's when I would agree with what Trevin Wax said. You know, to say, okay, well, he misstepped here. So now I can say that he affirms this position. But then also to go and completely go the other way with what Tabidi said to Owen Strand. This is this is not how Christians should be having criticism in the public sphere. You know, of name calling and saying, you know, keep my name out of your mouth. Or, you know, wrongly asserting like that someone affirms this thing because of one word that they say. I, I think that's that's the the way that you could go that would lead to okay maybe maybe we need to be way more careful about the words that we use and the way that we use clips 
and the, the kind of dialogue that we have about these kinds of sermons, that's where we need to do it. Um, but, you know, saying that you disagree with someone, that's fine. Like Owen Strand, if he, if he had just said like, I disagree with what Tabidi says here and left it at that or like said, Oh, he seems to imply even something like that would be okay. Well now, like you, you could say that you disagree with someone. That's fine. I see that, you know, there's probably people here (laughs) that, uh, disagree with me, uh, probably about Tabidi. Whenever you bring up Tabidi, people tend to get on edge which is fine. Uh, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I would say that this is where it goes wrong. So how do you actually do this stuff? What are like some of the parameters that we should use? Well, there is a text that we can go to and see very clearly how we are to interact with one another. Now the text is actually pretty famous, but the context, uh, is not really talked about when it comes to these kinds of problems. Uh, so if you go to Ephesians chapter four and uh, very, very famous past uh, passage here, where do we go? Had it highlighted. Oh, there we go. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ from him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So speak truth in love. Like that's, that's what's being said here. And that is the phrase that is always taken from this passage, uh, rightly taken. Uh, but usually when you hear it, you're hearing it in the context of like the world that we are supposed to speak the truth in love to the world. And of course that's true. But the context of this passage is the church. The context of this passage is with brothers and sisters in Christ. So even them, when you disagree, you are to speak the truth in love. Now there should be like some real genuine love, not like love that's just, uh, you know, contrived or like a general love. You should have, specific love for individuals who you are in community with, uh, some, some Christians that you are in community with. And when you have disagreements with them, you speak the truth. So you're still saying what you think, what, what the, what you think the Bible says about something, but you're doing it in a compassionate way. Now, what does that look like? Well, he actually continues this thought uh, down, like there's, there's a lot here. You could look at verse 25, uh, therefore putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Um, which again is talking about the church because he says, because we are members of one another, you're not members of one another out in the world, but in the church, you are members of one another, be angry and do not sin. All of this is about you with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, um, 31. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. Slander. Now, what is that? What is slander? Well, if you look right here, the Greek, it's the, it's the word that we get blaspheme. It's like when we talk about God being blasphemed, that the, that's someone who's taking like the beauty of the deity of the universe 
and taking some aspect of who he is, his person, his works, and contorting it to bring him lower. Um, and that's blasphemy. And that's really what we do with individuals when we don't take them at their word and we assume positions that they did not affirm uh, or we name call them. We're trying to take their reputation and in the eyes of the world, bring it lower. And in a way, we're blaspheming them. So that that's what slander is. So we need to be very careful on the online world and, you know, social media and different avenues that we have, not just on this platform, but on others, we need to be very careful about saying that someone has this position unless it's clearly said, uh, uh, unless it's something that you can look back and, you know, trace, you know, where that comes from in their thinking, but also be very careful that, you know, like, okay, we can say that we disagree with somebody, but to say, you know, that they're wrong, that they're apostates, who boy, the things I could say, the things I could say about what's been going on up here in Canada over the last two years. And some of the individuals that have said all kinds of things. I, I had some other plans of different tweets that I thought I might show. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to resist on that one. Uh, but there, there are plenty of pastors who, uh, depending on what you think about the pandemic and what kind of precautions uh, the local church should should take about that or whether they should have any precautions. That's a debate to be had. Um, but to look at brothers and sisters who are taking a different approach on something like that and calling them apostates, saying that they belong to the state church, things like that, that's where you go into some really wrong territory. And I think where you would come into this idea here of slandering someone. So we need to be very careful about what we do about that. Uh, and then, I, of course, the opposite, right? Be removed from you along with all malice, 32, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Again, speaking about the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, when you disagree with them, don't slander them. You can disagree with them and you can say so publicly, but don't like latch on to different ideas that they didn't say that they had or say that they go as far. This is something that happens. You know, I taught, I made my video about can women preach, um, the egalitarian position. This is what I did for a very long time is my, in my thinking. If you're egalitarian, and this is uh, also something that's been popular because Denny Burke wrote an article and he was going at Beth Allison Barr and Kristen Dumez and all, all those kinds of people and saying, well, they don't affirm inerrancy. Well, we need to be very careful that, you know, that, that like that position, egalitarianism, it can and definitely does sometimes, most of the time probably, uh, lead to a position where you don't affirm classical as in, you know, the last hundred years, the idea of inspiration, um, that happens, but at the same time, doesn't mean that it always will. Same thing can be said for things that you and I might affirm. I don't know exactly, you know, where my audience stands on the issue of Calvinism. Uh, but I talk about it a lot. So I would, I would assume that most of uh, people who would listen to me would be at least interested in Calvinism, but the issue of hyper Calvinism like that, 
Like that is messed up ideology. But just because someone is Calvinistic doesn't mean that they will go as far down that road, which is the same road that leads to hyper Calvinism, by the way. Like, I don't think it's like some different approach. I think that if you take everything and you keep on moving with things, you might end up at that position. But to assume that every Calvinist will eventually become a hyper-Calvinist is wrong. To assume that every egalitarian will uh, become someone who denies inerrancy is wrong. We don't always take the most extreme position. Sometimes we only go down the block. We don't go all the way down the street. Uh, even though that line of thinking might lead there. Sometimes we only go so far. So we need to take people at their word when they say, I'm only going that far. Um, of course, you know, we need to be careful in that and ask some honest, sincere questions, but let's not be accusatory and fall into that issue of slandering. Like we see in Ephesians four thirty one. All right, John. Uh, yeah, man, people need to be charitable and filled with love and our disagreement. I'm certainly guilty of being too harsh at times and I need the spirit to work on me. Same here, man. Uh, appreciate you hopping in. And I also need the spirit to work on my spelling. <laughs> uh yeah right it's hard it's hard sometimes spelling is so difficult i always feel bad when i'm in someone's live stream and they're like you know trying to figure out what i say and so if you're if you're that like any of those kinds of people throughout any of my live streams that's ever like like type something and it's ended up different don't feel bad i do it all the time Ask John. I was messaging him the other day, and it's probably really hard to decipher some of uh, what I was typing. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm going to resist a few other things, and we've gone pretty long today. Um, and I'm. Do I want to? Mm, I'm going to show it. Mm, this is this is me debating, applying everything that I've uh, talked about in this live stream and evaluating whether this would be a good thing. Hmm. Should I do it? I think I will. Um, I want to show one thing because this is another thing that I see happening up here a lot. You know, like I said, there's, this is something that I see happening all the time in Canada because of the lockdowns, uh, because of, uh, the government restrictions, all of that. There have been accusations. Now, I'm let me let me be clear. Like I am very much not in favor of pastors being arrested. Like I've I've had to say this so many times. This is really like the the question of orthodoxy uh, for anyone who's in Canada. We get this asked everywhere, everywhere from friends, from former friends, <laughs> from. Uh, you know, ants that, you know, we've never talked to, never met <laughs> like that, all that stuff. Uh, this is like, if you say that you're in Canada, this is the question that you get asked. What do you think about James Coates? I, I don't know how many times I've gotten asked that. And my, my response has always been, I am not in favor of pastors being arrested. I am not in favor of fences being erected. I am not in favor of the government overstepping its authority. Um, but at the same time, I think that the pandemic has been something that we all needed to be very careful about. I view it as a very serious threat. My brother, um, my brother is still having health issues. He, he has, uh, 
COVID pneumonia now. And so just even today he, he went to the doctor and Dan, if you're seeing this, I'm sorry, but <laughs> just please be in prayer for my brother. Uh, he's doing all right. Uh, but you know, he's, he's a young guy. He's younger than me. He's my younger brother and he's having serious health condition stuff related to the pandemic. And there's been so many people who have died and all that. So I'm just saying like, I've taken the pandemic very seriously and some of the government restrictions I look at and say, those are good things. That's my view. Now I can be wrong. Like other people uh, have taken very different approaches. And to me, I look at that and say, well, that's their decision. When I look at God's word, I'm not looking at it and saying, oh, here is the, here is the plan for how we deal with a pandemic. Didn't you not know? <laughs> There's this text that tells us exactly what we are to do. Like, no. Like, so we're all trying to, you know, make decisions according to our consciences and in ways that honor God. And, you know, some people might be too cautious and some people you might look at and say, Oh, they're being too risky, too carefree about some things to me. I'm trying not, not to judge anybody when it comes to that, but some, some people have taken that and been like, that's not good enough. You can't, you can't hold that position. Like, cause I might look at someone uh, who is on the other side and saying, well, the church must always gather physically. And if you ever not do that, you're in violation of Hebrews 10. And so you're an apostate. Like that's, that's actually some of the stuff that's been said like a lot, actually. It's not like a fringe thing. Uh, there are well-known pastors uh, who have said something very similar to that. It's not outlandish. Um, it's not putting words in their mouth. Um, but they, they've said things like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm just giving you like a little bit of the background for what I'm about to play, because I know anytime, <laughs> anytime I'm getting myself into trouble today, I really feel like it. Uh, but anytime you say James Coates, everyone is like, Oh, like, what are you about to say? What are you about to say? You better say something really positive. Uh, so I'm just saying like, I disagree with James Coates position. I do. Uh, when it comes to the necessity of the gathering physically and always, you know, I was a pastor in Southern Minnesota. Uh, we had plenty of snowstorms and uh, there were a couple Sundays that we didn't meet. I don't think that God judged us for that. Uh, pandemics going on. I think that, you know, God is looking at it and being able to distinguish who's being lazy and who's being cautious. I think so. But I say all that to say, like, just because I disagree with someone doesn't mean I think that they're like the worst person ever or something like that, or that they're not a good pastor, teacher, all those kinds of things. Is that enough caveats for you? That was like 10 minutes of caveats. All right, let's, uh, let's look at something. So this is uh, something that I saw the other day. That's incredibly interesting to me, and I, I'm not totally dialed in on social media, so I can't, I can't be totally certain this is the case. But it doesn't sound like TGC has said a single thing about about the convoy in support of it. I mean, that is shocking if that's true. TGC doesn't have a positive thing they could say about the 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 peaceful protest that's going on against government tyranny. Are you kidding me? I mean, at the end of the day, is TGC just another arm of the government? do they stand for Christ and with Christ or are they just are they just uh they're bought and paid for and the government's got their 
their hand in their pocket. I mean, it, it's shocking to me. So if you can prove me wrong on that and TGC has been vocal or someone in TGC has said something, I'd be happy to take that back. But at this point in time, it doesn't sound like TGC has said anything about what's going on. And I would just say TGC is useless. Everyone should just ignore TGC unless you just want a good laugh. TGC is utterly useless. Okay. So this is this is where I'm going to probably get myself into trouble. But you just heard James Coates, who was a man. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me say that. Like, he, is, he is a man. He's not inspired. Some people kind of think he might be. I, th- I, I, I fear that they think he might be. Uh, I don't think James does. I'm just saying. Like other people treat him like, whew, there's, a, there's a lot of support for him. And that's fine. Like I, I support him as well as, you know, I was praying for him when he was really in the midst of everything that was going on. Um, but like I said, I disagree with his position and that's fine. And I know that you would disagree with me and that's fine. We're both, we both believe in Jesus. That's fine. But this clip just kind of goes like, oh, okay, because he, he makes some slanderous accusations about TGC. Um, this is not me putting words into his mouth. He basically says, like, okay, so maybe you know, maybe you don't know um, that there's been, like, this this convoy, this freedom convoy thing with the trucks. I get asked this all the time from family members and friends, you know, what's going on in Canada? There's trucks everywhere. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, there are people who are not happy with the lockdowns and specifically uh, the uh, requirement made just recently that all truckers need to be vaccinated if they're going to be crossing the border. Uh, and so far they, they had been, um, you know, been free to move because we need them because they're essential because we need, we need stuff from the United States as a fact, uh, for the economy and also just for, just for living. Um, but now there's going to be vaccine requirements. Now, if you think that's good or bad, that's not the question. But um, what James is saying here is that because TGC didn't publicly endorse uh, the, you know, Freedom Convoy. I forget the exact hashtag that they were using. Um, but this Freedom Convoy, then they, they, then he says, are they in the, the pocket of the government? Are they, you know, just kind of stooges for the government? And then says that they're useless. Like, that is slander. That is slander. Like, they, I don't agree with TGC about everything. There is, uh, like, I've, I've talked with writers and council members from the Gospel Coalition Canada about specific things that they've done in the past, uh, different uh, articles that they chose to write. And I've been on. <laughs> Am I back? Is this still live? <laughs> that was weird. What happened? Um, my internet like died. I don't, I don't know if I'm live or not. Am I back? Yeah, I am back. Is this still live? I don't know what happened there. Anyways, um, yeah, I'll just finish up by saying apparently I'm not supposed to be talking about this. <laughs> I'm gonna take it as that. Um, but I think that it's slanderous to say like gospel coalition is useless or in the pocket of the government because they didn't support one political view that somebody wanted them to. 
And whether that's like something that they should have done or not, that's not really what I'm saying. I'm just saying like those are two different slanderous accusations. And I think we need to be a little bit more careful about that when brothers and sisters have uh, things that, you know, they have that we like positions that they have that we don't like, that we don't appreciate, that we may even think is harmful, but we don't have text for it. We don't have a scripture that we can like look at and say, you need to do this specific thing. Well, I think we need to be a little bit more careful about that and be kind and compassionate. Like, and just to say, I disagree with someone like that's something like if James had just said like, well, if gospel cool, like I think gospel coalition should have done this. That's one thing. That's, that's fine. Like you, everyone can have their, you know, ideas, their position, but to say like, Oh, that person like is in the, the pocket of the government. They're useless. Like even if we were to, if we were to take it and then because it's an organization, you know, we think of it differently. But if we were taken to say that that's a specific person, like, is that a loving, kind and compassionate thing to say? Because it is, it's a group of people, um, a group of Christians. So anyways, that's my thoughts on this. Um, I'm interested. I'll go back and watch and see what, uh, how this all shaped out with that internet outage and everything. Uh, if you're, if you're still here and you're watching, um, do me a favor and like the video. Um, you know, it helps, it helps to know, you know, that you guys are enjoying the content and all of that. Uh, I see some people interacting. Uh, I will say, you know, grandma Joe's right. Um, appreciated the bad, uh, and ugly of the legacy standard and looking forward to catching up on your Jerry Falwell jr. Said what? We'll listen to the car. Go and watch John Adams content. Uh, John Adams Ministries there because he's good and he's going to be on the show. Lord willing, next week we'll be talking about the future of pastoral training, uh, depending on whether I got canceled from, um, you know, saying my thoughts on that last clip or not. Uh, you know, everyone has their different points of view and that's fine. But let's be loving as we do that. Anyways, uh, I will see you around the interwebs. I should have some other video content coming out this uh, week. I will see you then.